Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today, we have six key members to our diocesan ministry, and they are here today over the miracle of internet to be able to talk with us about how the Diocese of Orange is trying to reach out and empower people through their ministries. And so with me today is Katie Dawson, Armando Cervantes, Marissa Leahy, Nancy yeah. Lopez, Linda G, and Greg Wagenbach. And if that in mind, if we could have maybe Katie, could you lead us in a brief word of prayer? I think we would all benefit from that. Yes. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We thank you that you are with us always, and that in this moment, we can call upon you and ask you for wisdom and courage, perseverance and fortitude, so that we might respond to the challenges of our day, that we might continue to live in the fruits of the Holy Spirit and expect you to empower us to respond to people's needs, and to continue the mission of proclaiming your good news to the world, even in the midst of a difficult and challenging time. We pray, Lord, for your your sustaining love to be ever-present to us and that we might be able to recognize you in in all the opportunities that we have to serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father. The Son. Amen. And now for our listening audience, uh, as you can hear, it sounds like our, our audio quality is off today, and that's because it is. We're using about uh, three layers of audio in order to get this to come together, but the seven of us are actually all using uh, the Internet in order to try to have one meeting for us to be able to have this radio program. So uh, I hope that all of you who are listening can indulge us for this because we're all trying to safely distance for the coronavirus while we're all trying to accomplish the ministry of Jesus Christ in the Diocese of Orange. So with that in mind, we're going to be talking about liturgy. We're going to talk about what help us out there for people who are going through crises. We're going to talk a little bit about faith formation and pastoral care. So with that all in mind, I'd like to first throw it out there What's going on in liturgy, and how are we handling that with all the different circumstances that have uh, occasioned us? We're closed down, so how are we reaching out in liturgy? Well, I think for right now, liturgy is completely different, especially how we express and live out that faith life. I mean, at the moment, we are able to stream Mass, um, and a lot of people are doing so. But I, I think we wanted to find a way in which to engage people and add a different layer to that expression of our faith. Nancy has been wonderful, and she has been interpreting all the masses that have streamed from Christ Cathedral. And so we kind of brainstormed and we came up with an idea to invite people to worship through using sign. So we just launched our first video, and in this video, we, we taught people how to sign Alleluia. Um, so we just wanted to bring a different layer and a, and just make it more interesting, so to speak, you know, just just finding a different way to engage people in the celebration, because at the end, we are we are still celebrating that mass. We're still celebrating being able to live out that faith, even though we may be doing it at home. I've had a couple of conversations with Bishop Tim, as well as Monsignor Doktorczyk, about why this is theologically okay for us to miss out on having Eucharist. And that's all fine and well, and we can all um, say, all right, I can understand theologically why. But I still miss my Mass. I still miss being able to be there. I miss being able to be involved. How are you trying to reach out to people who are feeling a sense of loss 
Well, I can comment on that mostly because from the perspective of the deaf community, community is everything. If you don't have that close relationship or contact, you kind of miss out on the whole meaning and essence of, of joining together. And so it's been a real pleasure and just being a part and being able to interpret so that way they can feel the gathering of the community, starting off their little, um, you know, Facebook parties and coming to live stream together and joining in on the comments. That has kind of been the, the hope of starting something that everybody as a community is still in this together, even though they're social distancing, they're off in their own homes but they're still coming together and praying together on that same, looking at the same thing, understanding, being a part of it. And so with hopefully continuing doing more of these videos, more people will feel that connectiveness of joining in and following along, doing something other than just watching and responding, but doing some kinesthetic with it and signing along with us. I was just talking with a deacon uh, earlier this afternoon who was uh, keep helping with their live streaming at their parish. And he was sharing how, you know, and I think it's true in a lot of our locations that there are more people tuning in to the live streaming masses than were attending in many cases, the masses before daily mass at this particular parish has 500 people that are looking in on this live stream of daily mass. And they never have 500 people on a typical, you know, on a daily during the weekday. And so I think it's also, we, we do miss our mass. And in some ways, I think that desire for the Eucharist and that desire for Jesus is driving us to even different kinds of engagement, more frequent checking in with our parish or looking to how we can connect in prayer, how we can make a spiritual communion, not just on a Sunday, but maybe during the week too. And so I think, yes, it's painful and it's hard, but there's also new ways to have some of our desires being, being fulfilled and connections being made, which is also a beautiful thing during this time. Greg, you're always one to look on the uh, the bright side of uh, what's there. What you're pointing to, though, is a silver lining of sorts in that people are being forced out of their comfort zone, aren't they? The COVID-19 virus is, is not the thing we wanted to use in order to get there. But we're being asked to ask the question of ourselves, what does mass mean to us and, and why is it that we're there? And if you're seeing numbers like that, 500, 500 people at a daily mass that normally doesn't pull in anywhere close to that of actual attendees being there, it sounds like a number of people are rethinking how they do church. What are your thoughts on that, especially those of you who have people that talk to you about missing what they have? Armando, you wanted to say something. You know, Rick, you know, what's interesting is, I mean, even just this last weekend with Easter, it was it was beautiful to see some families dress up, get prepared for Easter celebration, to be able, in some ways, for the domestic church to become alive in a different way because of what we're living uh, there was a there was a wonderful kind of little cartoon that I saw on the weekend in Spanish. It came from I think uh, one of them, the Mexican artists. Satan was basically saying, "Ha ha, uh, I'm using this uh, pandemic to close the churches down," and uh, and God saying like, "Well, that's fine. We're just uplifting now. A lot of domestic churches are springing all up and are having the opportunity of worshiping as a family together." And and I think in youth ministry and a lot of our families we've spoken to, you have parents who are saying, "You know what? I did not share meals with my family." And I'm doing that now for lunch and for dinner because I'm at home working from home. So this kind of notion of celebrating our faith as a family, celebrating faith in a familial experience, even though it's a living room. Yes. I mean, is it perfect? Not in the, in the least. Do we, are we yearning for our church buildings? We definitely are. But the mere fact that church continues to be alive in and of itself to me is a, is a blessing and, and it's something to, to praise God for. Have we been finding that people are calling into the diocese and making suggestions? And if so, what are some of the, the new ideas that are being implemented or new ways that we might be able to reach out? Any any new thoughts on that? I know, I know that uh, one of our priests did a, a benediction, a blessing with the, uh, with the monstrance and the Blessed Sacrament out in the open-air Jeep driving through the neighborhood in Santa Ana, I believe, uh, this past weekend. And I think, uh, stay tuned, I don't know when this is airing, but, you know, Bishop Ban is going to be participating in a, in another uh, activity to be able to bring the Blessed Sacrament out into the open air and to the community. And so I think 
you know, those are some creative ways to find, you know, ways to bring Jesus to the streets and come out. I do think that the challenge of connection, you asked the question of how many people are contacting the diocese with ideas. I mean, certainly we do get a lot of opinions from people, but different ways about how folks are responding, the, you know, good and bad and frustrated and happy and et cetera. But I think there's a challenge that I'll just raise here, which is that I think oftentimes people don't know where to reach out to, to ask their questions or to give suggestions or to make those connections. And that's part of what we as a group of ministry directors have been going, getting on these calls twice a week to really talk through how are we working together to make sure that folks that we're connected to in our ministries remain connected, to make sure that people have a place to go to with their concerns and questions and uh, help those connections. I think perhaps one of the blessings in this time was that this happened over Holy Week. And in a way that might sound a, a little strange, but of all weeks, it's a week where everyone really is thinking about their faith. Whereas at different parts of the year, at different parts of the time, it's possible that some of our faith walk may have kind of walked away during this time. But at least by having this at the end of Lent and the beginning of Easter, I know a number of people I've talked to who've been so focused on the different masks that have been out there, the different live streams that have been out there, the Facebook accounts that have had live streams, and they're taking it very seriously, partly because of the season. Have you been seeing that the season has been helpful for you as well? This struck me as well that it's interesting that we would be going through this this moment at the end of Lent and leading into Holy Week and really walking with Jesus on that uh, in the road to Calvary while we're experiencing our own our own suffering and our isolation from each other and having to take the initiative on our own. I, I see parents and families and individuals recognizing that they have a role to play, that they can't wait for someone else to give them what they need, that they need to be intentional and they need to seek it out. Now, one of the things that we've done from the pastoral center is to try and equip, to try and resource people to take that initiative and to to find the resources in a centralized, curated way, which is why we've set up some Facebook pages for the uh, parents of children in Orange County, and that's uh, Orange Catholic Parents, and we've set up a Facebook page for Orange Catholic catechists so that in parishes where leaders have been furloughed, not able to support their catechia support. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today are a whole bunch of people who are talking about how the Diocese of Orange is trying to adapt new ways of reaching out with Christ's ministry to those that we serve. When we come back, we're going to be talking over the Internet, so it's a little bit tinny in its audio quality, but the ministry quality is really high. We'll see you in a moment. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. There are a number of people who serve you at the Diocese of Orange, and all of them have been working very hard during this time. Most of us are at home. They're trying to figure out new and creative ways in order to meet the spiritual needs and the pastoral needs and all of the needs of the parishioners that are in our diocese. And with that in mind, we were talking a little bit about liturgy this last section. This time I want to go a little more directly into how people who are experiencing needs can have those needs met. Greg, I understand that our diocese is responding very directly to trying to reach out to people that have needs. Tell us a little bit about what the diocese has been up to. Well, so what I will, can share, will share, is that we, you know, we're building off of the great work of Catholic Charities of Orange County and St. Vincent de Paul who, and many other local parish pantries and service uh, that, that work to provide food and other assistance in the community. Catholic Charities continues to do their delivery of food. They've changed it to a walk-in to a pack-and-go, so you drive through there. It's uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday mornings between the hours of 7 a.m. and 12 p.m., and many of our parish pantries are remaining open. 
Some have had to close, and part of what we're doing is creating a new sort of call to action among younger folks and folks that are that are healthy enough to be out safely with all this faithfully run for a long time by folks who are getting a little bit older and they're in the age range that now need to stay home. And so we need a new generation of folks to come in and step up. And it's a great opportunity to join those ministries and to help fill some of those gaps at those pantries. But we have started a a helpline, the Serve Hope helpline. And I'll just give the number for that. And this is a, a setup. We have a number. If you can't get out of your home or get to one of those food areas, that we will help ha- have somebody bring that food to your home. And that number is 844-279-0105. That's 844-279-0105. And that's uh, for food delivery to your house. If you're unable or really you shouldn't leave your home because of issues or you need to stay home and shop. Our wonderful ministry that's housed under Catholic Charities that came uh, comes through Christ Cathedral came from an inheritance from the Crystal Cathedral here, uh, and that's the New Hope Crisis Hotline, and that's a number to call. It's a justice intervention, suicide prevention. If you're lonely, if you need to talk to somebody, if you need other resources, that number at 24/7 you can call 714-639-4673. That's 714-639. 4673. And uh, maybe we can have both of those numbers put into the description for this radio program, too, so folks can have them there and access them. And that's, as you said, that was the first thing that Robert Schuler made sure went into the building we normally are in. It was uh, in the Tower of Hope since, I think, 1968. And it is a ministry that we've continued. And that ministry is, I'm sure, very busy today. There are a number of different problems that people encounter when they're forced to stay home alone or when they're forced to stay with other people. It can create huge problems as well that we're very aware that there are people who need help trying to get their basic needs met, including food during this time. What about people on the street, Greg? I know that you historically have been involved with a lot of uh, people who our, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are out there right now are probably in more need than ever. What's going on right now, and, and how are we able to do some of our ministries that we normally do that have to be curtailed at this time? Yeah, um, I know my colleague Marissa, who's been on the phone here too, she's been involved with the Christ Cathedral Outreach. They're still offering food, uh, many of our parishes. Right now the county has been seeking to find ways to help unhoused individuals to by renting out motel space, by finding ways to educate the, along with all the public, those who are on the streets who may not have access to other sources of information and news to inform them about proper CDC guidelines and social distancing and really the fundamental need that's been there from the start, and that is housing. And it's been actually interesting that during this crisis, we've managed to suddenly find a lot of housing for people who don't have homes, just like we've been able to meet some other needs in a crisis, suddenly we're able to sort of do some direct interventions and actually um, make some of those things happen. And so, but it's, it hasn't been enough. And it's, you know, we continue to need folks to advocate. And I very much appreciate the question because we do need to include in our prayers, you know, so many people who before this crisis hit were already sort of quarantined in their own ways, right? Those who were in prison, those who were in uh, immigrant detention, those who were on the streets, those who were already in situations of maybe domestic violence or feeling trapped, as you mentioned, in their homes in different ways. So so we have a lot of people that were already in crisis, and this crisis just sort of exacerbates that even more. And so anything we can do to advocate for them, and so part of that, this food is, is one way to do that, and we certainly are looking for ways to provide that to, to everybody, those who are on the streets as well as those who are in homes. So for people who are experiencing different needs that they never knew before, how would they go about trying to even assess what might be available for them? You mentioned the, the county being involved with different things. Are there partnerships that are involved with the diocese? Is the diocese engaged with, with teams of people that are out there? I mean, this is a time now where we've gone from a rather thriving economy for many, many people to where a whole bunch of people who all of a sudden unexpectedly are in needs they didn't think they would ever have. Are there teams available? What would you do if you found 
yourself in needs? How can they reach out? Well, I, I will say this, this includes folks, you know, many of our colleagues at the pastoral center. We had about 30 of our staff who were furloughed and many people. And I know that the HR department at the diocese, for example, is looking to sort of redeploy and shift some of its resources into, the, you know, the, in the wake of all this to, you know, job training, job development, helping folks who've lost their jobs throughout the community to help to do that kind of job counseling. So I think there's a lot of those things that we're going to need to look at over the, the long term. But short term, I, I think you raise a good question. It's a, it's a challenge for us, which is that a lot of the spaces that we were in and collaborative arrangements and groups that were would meet in person are not. So, of course, a lot of it is Zoom and go to meeting and other formats to kind of come together virtually for meetings. But we do have connections still with the contacts at the county, contacts through um, health agencies. Our Catholic hospitals have been working, uh, you know, on overtime to meet the needs, our different Catholic organizations. Um, I'll kick it over to Armando because I know in, in youth ministry as well as Katie with faith formation, they're interacting, continuing to interact with the families that are in need, with the youth, the young adults, the parents, to make sure that they're connected to resources as well. Well, I mean, I, I think in some ways, Rick, it's hard because we don't always know all of them, and young people don't always know that the diocese is here for them. I mean, we, you know, college students have uh, have found themselves kind of not at school anymore, which sometimes that means there's not those resources that they would find accessible at school to support them. And as Greg rightly mentioned, the diocese has tried to put out there, hey, you, you need some help just as a conversation. You know, let's call the New Hope Crisis Hotline. Uh, is food a concern? Let's get you to the Serve Hope hotline. Do you just have time on your hands that you feel like you want to do something to serve? Well, why don't you just jump in and help us volunteer? So in some ways, it's hard to identify. And as you may be aware or may not be aware, uh, the church is, is right now no stranger to furloughs. Furloughs have been happening to a lot of our ministers. And so normally our conduit of information would be shared with our ministers, our ministers share with our families and young people. Well, since our ministers aren't there anymore, uh, we have a harder time in reaching out to them. Sure, we still have our social media routes and our emails, and we're getting out as information as far and wide as possible. But we're definitely finding some chat in some areas where we don't have the contact information for these families, and these families are in need. So we rely a lot on the pastor's and the business managers to really get the word out uh, to their parishioners and their communities for them to be aware of hopefully these resources that we're trying to make available to really everyone and all people who are especially in need. Greg, you were going to say something. Oh, well, I just, uh, Armando mentioned it, and I was going to ask Katie to talk about their their website again with resources, but I, 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 I do think that so much of the engagement now is really during mass and live stream. So the importance of, to highlight the importance of people communicating with their pastors and their parishes with their needs as well, so that the, their pastors and their people still ministering on their staffs can respond to those needs and, and find ways to, to make those things known as they live stream the mass through our favorite part of mass, right? The announcements, those can continue via live stream <laughs> and sort of be able to have uh, but that takes on an even greater importance now, right? There's no physical bulletin. There's no, a lot of people aren't even online in the same way or to the same levels of sophistication. So that verbal expression of core needs and core faith formation and core evangelization connection, that all really needs to happen in a big way now um, during and surrounding those live streams. Well, we don't have someone from the business office here on the team today but you mentioned the results. We have about 30 people that have been furloughed. One of the things that's been happening all around the country has been that people who don't go into mass, they don't always bring their checkbook into the mail slot and, and mail it off. There's a real need for people to make sure that they continue to give just what they had been giving before because a lot of people aren't. It's just you're, you're not in mass, so people aren't giving. No, that's definitely a reality. And I think, I mean, Rick, I don't think it's a hard uh, conclusion that as less people are giving, there's less resources to go around for the pastor and the, and the ministers, and therefore less access to just resources that normally would be available, which is to me why these hotlines and, uh, and these resources are that much more needed for people to be aware of that they exist because there is a need for them, and, and our families and our communities are in need of what we're trying to provide. And so I know Greg Greg and I have worked really hard in trying to establish the hotline to serve food, but now we're just trying to find volunteers to fill and to support us with it as well. 
So there is a place for volunteers to still volunteer so they can call and there's still a need for people to send in their money both directly to the organizations and also just the regular support check to the parish. Greg, what did you want to add in our last few seconds? Well, I would just give the address online, supportyourparishoc.org. That's all together, supportyourparishoc.org. And you can click down your particular parish in the Diocese of Orange, uh, or you can give more broadly there. But but we would really encourage you to continue to see that. That's part of our act of worship is giving to the ministry and mission of the church. So we thank you for doing that. When we come back, I want to make sure that, number one, We've before we leave, we've given out all those numbers again, not just to give, but also the hotlines and the helplines. But I also want to make sure we've touched on some more practical things dealing with faith formation. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. We're coming to you today over the Internet, so our audio is a little tinny, but we've got some fantastic ministers from the Diocese of Orange who have come together to talk a little bit about how the diocese is reaching out during this time of isolation for so many people due to self-social distancing for the coronavirus. Trying to keep everyone safe means also that a lot of people have had their, their routines totally destroyed and their lives are thrown up in the air. There's so many things that are different. We talked a little bit about the practical side of how do we just take care of people's needs, but there are pastoral needs as well as faith formation needs that are also disrupted during this time. And so with that in mind, I want to talk to Nancy Lopez and Katie Dawson, who are involved with our faith formation for the whole diocese. What's going on out there that we're doing as the diocese in order to try to meet the needs of the faithful who have had their their normal system so disrupted. Rick, maybe I'll I'll lead off with the kind of the umbrella of uh, faith formation and then Nancy can can address how she's responding to the needs of a particular community. So out of the office of parish evangelization and faith formation when we began to see the um, the shutdown of of our ability to gather or to attend mass together or provide faith formation programs. In this moment, at least we have technology, which you know we we find technology is a two edged sword. Sometimes it consumes more of our attention um, and time than we would like. But in this moment, it's a, a great tool in our, in our tool chest. And so we immediately launched several Facebook pages. I think the two that are most broadly targeted are the, um, Orange Catholic Catechists and Orange Catholic Parents. And we are providing, um, curated resources through those two channels so that, um, the baptized who are all themselves on mission might have what they need to fully live the mission of the domestic church and care for their their family members and perhaps extend themselves to their neighborhoods or their communities in some fashion so that catechists might continue to offer something to the children and the families that they've been ministering to um, up until now and might be able to continue that. And we also launched a webpage called Evangelize OC which um, has curated resources for uh, several different age groups of children as well as adults. And um, the idea being that in this moment, it's a good thing for someone to initiate a Bible study on their own in their home over Zoom or, you know, or continue something that they were doing in the parish. But um, we all need to put Christ at the center all the time and especially in this moment. So, Katie, let me ask you, of those resources you just mentioned, how many of those are geared directly toward the parishioners, not just uh, church leadership or parish leadership? How many of those, or do you have a good one that perhaps if they wanted, for example, to have more more faith formation, more feeding, where they could go and look to see what's available for them, or if they wanted to start their own Bible study? What resources are directly for the people that, that you can think of? 
Well, one that that uh, comes to mind is formed.org, F-O-R-M-E-D.org, which has resources in both English and Spanish. And one of the things that has happened right now is that many publishers and content providers have made all their content free for for what they expect to be the duration of the pandemic. So usually formed is a subscription based platform. But right now you can go on and get three months free on formed. And they've got a wide variety of resources for every age. And in both, as I said, both English and Spanish. So you could do a Bible study or you could study church history or you can watch a, a religiously oriented movie together as a family. And I think that the idea right now is not for parents to suddenly become theological educators of their children. It's more to Christ in the midst of the family and to practice spiritual um, spiritual practices together, to make sure that we're really praying together and that we're we're focused on loving each other well and maybe growing a little bit in the the um, practice of the virtues. I suspect that many people are finding their patience sorely strained by the close proximity of family members. At our house, we're, we're adjusting to having a two-year-old in the house for the, for the time being, my son and his wife. Oh, God and, bless you, Katie. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure I'm not alone. But also to that to that point about that the opportunities there, I would just say, you know, Linda G, who's uh, you know in the pastoral care office, she's works with the Worldwide Marriage Encounter, and so some of our other Catholic organizations and movements that work around these different areas, stay connected with them because they're all adjusting to to this new reality. They had a, an engaged encounter weekend for couples, and we uh, we heard a report from her that they spent uh, about eight hours, a full day, on a Zoom conference call. They had to switch their conference over to Zoom. And I was thinking, oh, if you can if you can go a whole eight hours on Zoom as a couple, you're already uh, off to a good start in your marriage to be able to like have the testament <laughs> there to go. But wow. these ministers are very creatively continuing to make sure that people connect and that they don't miss out on those key opportunities, which is beautiful. That is beautiful. Zoom has been one of the important platforms that's out there. I teach, and that's what we're all going to in the university level. Nancy, you are involved with a very specific group of people, though, who have some specific needs. What's the diocese doing to reach out? Yes, the deaf community has very specific needs. We're very much a community that's very tangible. And so going virtual is is good because we are a visual language. But at the same time, there is still the need of connectiveness, of being with people and getting getting the jits of the emotion and the feel behind it. But the Diocese of Orange is part of the NCOD, which is the National Catholic Office for the Deaf. And so we've partnered with them and providing uh, a lot of the resources, a lot of the material from a catechist point of view to a parent point of view to continue to provide formation for their children that are deaf or hard of hearing. One of the components that I'm currently working on is for parents that speak Spanish as their primary language. And so uh, signing is not something that is easy for them to grasp. And so that's part of the ongoing uh, component. We do have the video conferencing, uh, video calls that we do on a weekly basis to touch in with a lot of our communities, um, members to see how they're doing, how self-distancing and isolation is going for them. And especially because a lot of the members of our community are in that specific age group that are not allowed to go out. So we're trying to put that on the top of a list to continue to weekly check-ins with them. And of course, um, the NCOD also provided a lot of their videos online for free so everybody can access them um, without any need of a code or be belonging to any certain organization. Everything is absolutely online for free for anybody that wants to keep in formation and being part of the um, Catholic group in as a whole. Katie, there are difficulties sometimes for people to know just what to do and how to go about being involved or being engaged. Is there a place that people can go to ask how to best find a place or find a resource that might be able to either serve them 
or to be able to help empower them to serve others? Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons that we set up the uh, Facebook pages because, you know, that can be interactive and someone can go on there. They can either post a question on, you know, on the discussion or they can direct message me through Messenger and ask um, ask for a resource. But uh, we're posting four times a day with uh, different resources and web pages from here are some good questions for you to ask at your dinner table that are that are um, not only spiritual religious questions, but just bonding questions. You know, how how can we foster good dinner table conversation, especially when uh, in the fast pace of of modern life? A lot of times families have been running around like crazy people until this moment and may not have a dinner table and had a really deep conversation very often. So it might, might be a skill that, that they need to cultivate very intentionally. So, you know, there's the website that we've linked that talks about how to, how to foster dinner table conversation. And then when it comes to specifically learning something about the faith, um, there are a number of resources we've been posting there. And if somebody reaches out to me, I can help identify the one that's right for a particular family or a particular situation. Similarly, I think Armando um, has resources that uh, he's identified that are good for teens and youth ministry aged um, and young adults. There's some crossover there, but um, I think between us, we've got most of the age groups covered. So, Armando, what about that? You've got uh, resources then for the next set of ages up? That's right. That's right. We have a variety of ways of uh, of engaging the kind of middle school, teenagers, young adults in college, so that there's a variety of ways to excite people and to bring them to faith. So uh, college students, for example, at this point have been the easiest to engage, as I mentioned before. It's hard to sometimes find those parents to make sure their young people can get involved. Uh, with teenagers, but, uh, college students, I mean, they've been, they've been meeting pretty regularly, daily. There's, uh, spiritual communion. They're praying the rosary together. The Divine Mercy Chaplet is being prayed so that throughout the day, depending on their schedules, they can jump in live and pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, uh, at three o'clock or pray the rosary at noon with other young adult Catholics from across either Orange County or sometimes even across the, the country because people know each other and they just connect and they, you know, come on live and just uh, become friends instantaneously through our social media uh, channels and handles. So it's, it's been quite exciting to see that engagement happen. Uh, I think with the teens, it's a little bit more challenging because we're, as Katie was mentioning, we're trying to engage the families. We're really trying to engage the, the family as a, as a domestic church and as a community to pray and to grow in faith together. So it sounds like we've got a number of resources available, both through the diocesan websites, the Facebook pages that the diocese is offering, all and of course the Facebook pages at the different parishes. Most of them have resources available. There are also some very good organizations that have partnered with our diocese. I know my daughter's at Cal State Fullerton, uh, Titan Catholic, uh, has been involved with a lot of that stuff. So there's a number of different resources. You guys have all sounded very busy. All of you, you ladies and gentlemen, have been very busy. We still need to talk a little bit about pastoral care. So when we come back, I want to engage a little bit more on how we're reaching out with pastoral care because there's so many needs that are out there. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. We're talking with a number of representatives from the ministries and our diocese about how the diocese is reaching out in new and creative ways while we are uh, facing our difficult times with COVID-19. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation and learn more about pastoral care. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And before we go any further, I want to make sure I've said thank you to several people who have been with us today. Linda G., who has had to walk away. She had to leave a little bit early, but she was talking earlier. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about her material right now. But Nancy Lopez, you've been talking a little bit about the deaf community. Katie, you've been talking about faith formation. Greg and Armando have been talking about all sorts of different things. All of you, thank you so very much for reminding us of what the diocese is trying to do for everyone to stay connected to the ministry of the church 
and therefore the ministry of Jesus Christ during these very trying times. Thank you for being on with us. I want to take a moment to talk a little bit about pastoral care because that's really womb to the tomb stuff where we've got the rubber meeting the road. All of you are doing it. All of you are engaged in it. But there's some very specific things that are in people's needs, whether it is marriage formation or baptismal formation or their psychological health or their emotional health or their spiritual health. How do people deal with the care that they need from a pastoral perspective? So what can you tell us a little bit about how the diocese is reaching out during these difficult times of so much isolation? Well, I mentioned what Linda had shared about uh, engaged encounter and some of those types of retreats happening to continue with married couples and all the work that faith formation and youth ministry is doing with families. I think also that we mentioned earlier, the needs that existed before pastoral needs are all still there and they're all being kind of twisted and changed and shifted and in different ways. In some ways, you know, we see that get better, you know, for those of us who felt like, oh, we wish we had more time with our families at home. Some of us are getting that wish, right? <laughs> and, there's a, and there's a lot of really amazing. Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of really beautiful, amazing aspects of that. And then, and then there's challenging aspects of that. Um, if you're in a, even, even if you're in a, in a very healthy dynamic family, if you're in a family that has particular challenges that we all have in different ways, you know, then, then we also have different particular challenges that, that we're living with in a different way. So I think there's, there's just a lot, um, a lot of change there, even, even in terms of the things we've talked about here about all the different ways to connect with our faith. There are so many of them, and I know for me and our family, we've even had to sort of sort through, and we get an email from, uh, you know, a text from the youth minister, and we get a, a you know, an email suggestion for this homily, and, and you hop on here and get on this call, and then our family wants to all get on to talk. So even even with the opportunities we have, sometimes it can become overwhelming, and we have to do that work of discernment to say, uh, I think Katie has a, a wonderful video that she did that's up on our YouTube channel just talking about how sometimes we do need to just step away from some of the many things that are put in front of us and ask ourselves, you know, what is really important? What's in this moment? And what do I need to, how do I need to place myself before God and, and my family? How, how are we putting ourselves before God in a way of to receive and, and then thinking about those needs that are there. I mean, we, we talked about those who were already kind of felt seem quarantined. And I think, you know, we, we have a call through our office with our pregnancy center shelters and clinics and some of them, the clinics are still open and they're still seeing uh, clients. They're seeing, still seeing women that come in with needs. They still need diapers. They still need counseling. They still need hope in these different areas. And in other, other of the shops and things are closed down. All of them are hurting for donations, like a lot of our parishes and organizations. And so there's these dynamics of how interconnected we all are and how those pastoral needs bubble up to the surface and keeping in mind those who are, are left to the side and, and even within our own families and households, you know, being attentive to the child, for example, that might be more quiet and isn't going to express their needs in the same way as another one. But are we looking and making sure that we're, we have an eye out for them? Armando, you had something you wanted to add. Well, I was just going to say, I think, I think we as a church are trying to continue to be here and be supportive in any capacity and whether that's in the discernment mode and just praying and get, helping you with that or, or whether that's walking with you and, and walking with your son or daughter who might be anxious during this time to families who need food and who are just l looking for the basic necessities. Uh, I, I know that a lot of parishes I've been dealing a lot lately with young people who are who are thinking or who are feeling like they want to commit suicide and again we normally would have youth ministers at parishes that would do that ministering and the, and that work but now if some of those don't exist pastors business managers are finding themselves saying well i i don't know what to do i didn't do this before and and as a as a diocesan office we're trying to walk with families with our parish leaders to walk with families who maybe are in this distress or, or have these concerns. And so I think as a, as a community and as Greg was mentioning, we're really just trying to work collaboratively and in solidarity with each other so that together we can be stronger to support each other. Yeah. The question was raised about, you know, are we hearing a lot from people? And, and we do at varying degrees, but I actually worry about the people we're, we're not hearing from, you know, and I think, yeah. and I think for so many of our families that have lost jobs, you know, Armando mentioned that the despair or, or loneliness, 
people that can't or, do, or don't want to or aren't connecting. We want to figure out every way we can to be proactive and to reach out and to let people know that, that there is hope, that there are opportunities. But there is a real crisis in this moment as we're all quarantined in our homes, but also for those who have no choice but to go out and work and take on those risks, either because they purely to, to pay the rent and to survive as a family um, or because they have a job and an essential service that needs to continue for the benefit of all of us, whether that's through healthcare or food or grocery work and food production, uh, farm workers, everything else. So, so I think, you know, and those families are living through a different kind of reality from the farm worker who's out there and doesn't have a lot of protections or benefits and is coming home to their family or hopefully keeping a job to the, the doctor I talked to the other day who he comes home every day back to his family, sleeps in a separate room, has to detox and shower and do all that. And, and he's, um, you know, if he gets to the point, he said he'd probably have to rent a hotel room if, if he did come down with COVID and isolate himself. But all these families are living with those added, you know, added burdens, added risks from various socioeconomic backgrounds. And so I think that just attentiveness to the realities of people that are very different from my own reality and keeping them in prayer and looking for ways to to extend help and support is something we're we're trying to think about as a diocese. One of the other aspects of pastoral cares we've been talking about is as you've been alluding to is this emotional health that can be hard to keep our balance. It's hard to remind ourselves sometimes that none of this is surprising to Jesus. He knows what's going on. He's not worried about this. He's trying to make sure that whatever we're going to have to go through we don't forget to turn to him, but sometimes we need to have that extra help. Katie, I really liked what you said before, that this isn't necessarily a time to become an expert on a new Bible study to teach your children. Sometimes this is just a moment to experience with them, that they can experience Christ with you, and you are a steady presence in their lives. You get to be that Christ to them. And, Greg, I, I liked especially then what you had to say, uh, it reminded me of something that I got in, in Presbyterian Seminary back many, many years ago. The very first lesson they taught us in the, in the how to be a pastor class, the very first lesson was on saying no, because it is so easy to get overwhelmed with all these different things about you. Well, how do we teach our families who are now pastoring family churches to not exactly say no, because it's hard to say no to so many things, but just to relax into the moment that we do have support. We have the church. We have faith formation opportunities, but we have also support in working with our pastoral needs, our pastoral care. We have specialized needs and specialized care. Those who are going through preparation for marriage, those who are deaf, those who have needs for food. We have resources to reach out to, and that's been important to be reminded. We had a couple of numbers. I want to make sure we get those phone numbers back out there, our websites back out there. For those of you who gave any outs, I'd like you to go ahead and give them out again on what they were for real quick. What were some of those resources for people to, to turn to? This is Katie. I announced the uh, webpage, evangelizeoc.com, and our Facebook pages, uh, Orange Catholic Parents and Orange Catholic Catechists. And then you mentioned a, a, a resource site. Was it Formed that yes, uh, was formed. offering their services? Yes, Formed. formed. And other resources are listed on that webpage and on the Facebook pages. Perfect. Great. Now, what did you have for us? I can give the numbers, but I did just want to, as an aside, I keep hearing St. Therese talking about how all is grace. And I think in this moment, we need to give ourselves, receive that grace from God as, as parents. We need to receive the great. We can't be, we can't partake of the Eucharist right now, Jesus in the Eucharist. We, we are given God's grace nonetheless. We can't solve all the problems. We are given the grace of Christ. Um, we need to receive that grace that God has for us in this moment, and it is it is abundant. But the two, the supportyourparishoc.org, supportyourparishoc.org is the place you can go to give to your parish. The two helplines, Serve Hope Helpline is for food. That's 844-279-0105. If you can't get out of your house to get food, we can help get food to you. 844 844- Two seven nine zero one zero five, and then the New Hope Crisis Hotline for telephone crisis intervention, suicide prevention, any other questions you know needs you may have to talk with somebody. Call seven one four six three nine four six seven three. That's seven one four 
639-4673. If you're a youth or a young adult and you want to engage with us through social media, find find and follow SoCal Catholic on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook as well, but a lot of our young, uh, young adults are on Instagram. Uh, find us on Instagram and you can get connected with everything that we're doing, both live and we're posting resources for young adults throughout the county and throughout the diocese as well. So you'll find some great resources, some great speakers, uh, and some great material. Uh, yes, Oops, for sorry. resources regarding families with children with special needs, they can always go into the ncpd.org. So that's the National Catholic Partnership on Disability. And, of course, the NCOD, the National Catholic uh, Office for the Deaf. So that's ncod.org as well. And then, Greg? I was just going to share, since Linda's not on, at OC Pastoral Care for Pastoral Care Office on Instagram and Facebook, and we are at Life Justice Peace on Facebook, and you can find us through our Facebook page through our other areas as well, and then at uh, evangelize.oc for the Faith Formation Office on uh, Instagram as well. Very good. Everyone, thank you so very much for taking some time out of your schedule. I know we had to squeeze this in between meetings, and I appreciate you spending some time to talk to the entire Southern California Basin about what's available out there for their diocese to help them with their needs. Armando, would you mind doing us a favor? Pray for us on our way out of this. Yes, of course. Uh, We bless ourselves in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Resurrected Lord, we just uh, we just give you praise and glory, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity to celebrate Easter with our brothers and sisters. And even though we might not have them close, uh, we know that we are united in you. And Lord, we are we are closer than ever in so many ways. And allow allow your grace to be enough for us. That in the midst of this craziness, in the midst of all of these things that we could be doing, we just allow to rest in you. And we allow that your your love, your wisdom, your peace be with all of us. Uh, especially those who are most in need. We pray all this in your most holy name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. If you would like to hear this again or share it with somebody, you can go to occatholic.com, and we will have it there under the radio tab for our, our podcasts. And then this can be shared with anybody who might be in need of some of this information. Again, I'm Rick Howick on behalf of all of us at Orange County Catholic Radio. We thank you and may God bless you this Easter season.